Dude, have you ever ever thought like this? Not that. Um, so there's a when I put this on power saving mode, mm. it turns off haptic feedback. Like okay, yeah. Have you ever used your mobile without haptic feedback? Not for a long time. Very fucking weird, man. Yeah, it feels like you're not doing anything. Like because that feedback yeah. is weirdly uh, like important once you start. Well, I think it's also like you get used to it to to like a subconscious level. Yes. Like absolutely. when you first start using a phone with that, it's like, ah, oh, oh, why is it vibrating when I touch it? And then it's like, oh, no, now I can't live without it. Yeah, it, it, it genuinely, it's almost like you're, you, you kind of get to that point where you're like, you're pressing buttons and nothing's happening in your head, but it's like, mm. no, it is happening and you've got to kind of retrain yourself to do it. It's yeah. very weird. Yeah, and that's why using touch screens in cars is fucking stupid. Well, because well, like, yes, like totally, like the the Tesla version of just like let's get rid of every physical control and just give you a giant touchscreen. That to me is a ridiculous idea. Yeah, I I hate that on a number of different levels as it happens. So you were talking to the talking to the right person. Yeah. Um, also, I think I hate that on a number of different levels might be the phrase that appears on my gravestone eventually. Um, <laughs> Welcome to Hey Brew, the podcast about beer and storytelling. Each week, one of us brings a beer and a often tangentially related story. My name is Elliot. My name is Mike. For the record there, I nearly said my name is Mike. Why? Because <laughs> I was looking at you and I know that's the line. That, I was that's like, my line. My name is... Actually, I think I've done that in another episode, been like, my name is Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> Just Elliot. Elliot. <laughs> um... Jesus. Energy levels are going to be weird this week, folks. Cards on the table. I'm quite drunk. I don't, I don't know. Or quite hungover. I'm not sure. Hmm. Post-drinking drunk still. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, so. and I've just had like a little glass of cold brew coffee liqueur. Mm. And so I'm going to be both energetic and like a little bit buzzed. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I'm very keen. Um, any beer news for the week, Mike? Um, well, uh, if, if listeners saw... The the like oh, yeah. off schedule Instagram activity from us, which we should do more of. But someone did that. Yeah, that was that was me. Uh, yesterday in Melbourne, it was uh, it's supposed to be summer. Shit. Yeah, but yesterday it was all cold and wet, and I was I'd been out frisbee training in the morning, three hours out in the rain. Mm. Came home and I was like, I'm gonna stay inside actually now. Mm. Uh, and then looked outside and I was like, it's stout weather. Uh, it was. So I put a stout in a glass and 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 that's what I had. I had the. Uh, the nutters from from Dayton. It's a really weird way to describe what you did. Yeah, I put a stout in a glass and then I drank it out of put a glass it in my mouth. Yeah, um, but yeah, the the nutters from from Dayton. Yeah, uh, how these was it? Because he didn't like the peanut butter stout by Beaver Town. No, so the, so the not Beaver the Town, Bel- Belgian Beaver. Yeah, so their their one like the peanut flavor was so strong that it, it was almost like bitter, if that makes sense. Like that mm. combined with the stout was like it put me off a bit. Whereas the one from Dayton, which is uh, it's like a chocolate peanut butter stout mm. thing um bit more it, palatable. It, it definitely tastes like i'm just eating fresh peanuts um and not quite like peanut butter like you yeah, know wild the, there is that difference between mm. the two um and so it basically it, it almost like i described it to you uh when i was texting you yesterday it basically tasted like i was eating peanuts and drinking a stout at the same time the chocolate not really super present um but the peanut flavor isn't that that strong that it put me off it's still it's still not my favorite of the like chocolate peanut butter stout varieties okay. um my favorite you can't i don't think you can get anymore but it was one we had at gab's a few years ago 
uh, from McCashins. I don't uh, know who that is. No, so they're based in Nelson, New Zealand, my hometown, okay. uh, where Pick's Peanut Butter is also from. Um, uh, and I they, think you've told me that peanut yeah. butter is a big thing in your hometown before. Well, it is. got a giant fa- That one peanut butter is. They've got a giant factory there. Um, but it was a collaboration between those two. Yeah, um, right. McCashin, I don't know if you've seen Stoke Beers from, from New Zealand. They make those as well. Oh, right. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was like this chocolate peanut butter oh, porter. Oh, yeah, I've seen those. And the way that they combined those flavors was like really delicate. And you could actually kind of taste all the different elements in there. And I haven't, I don't think they produced it since Gab's, but wild. it was it was so good. <clears throat> Trying to get any beer trades and see if you can find some? Uh, I haven't had a look, to be honest, but it was, I think, honestly four maybe five years ago so i doubt Decent. i doubt yeah. it exists even if they did produce it Fair after enough. after the fest shit but yeah well i took a hard right as a conversation yeah um, <laughs> yeah but yeah fair enough um not a lot i do agree with you i went out and bought um kaiju's hopped out red on friday because friday was kind of shitty weather and mm. stuff and i was like i want a darker beer and yeah. i was looking at stouts and nothing buzzed me so i went yeah. for hopped out red so I was yeah like, i think i think we're we're probably getting close to some of the like this season stouts coming in mm. uh, as the weather gets a bit shitter well i'm keen to brew a stout soon mm. and considering the unmitigated failure of the last brew i'm would, keen to i would say not quite success like we definitely made a beer yeah it's just not great yeah I, 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 like I say, I'm going to chuck it away. Yeah. Because I'm not drinking it and it's not, it's not up to the standard that I would want. Yeah. Sure. I'm sure there'd be people out there that would drink it, but I don't fucking want it. <laughs> not <laughs> us. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and it's a lot of beer to it just. It really was. Like, if I, if I was, if it was a six pack, I would force myself to drink it. Yeah. It is. That's, that's doable. 42 pints, I think. <laughs> I don't. That's more. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I can force myself to drink 42 pints. Not, no not no one's ever had to before, so I won't, I won't find out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my beer news is I went stomping around yesterday because um, Ross Purdy, friend of ours, mm-hmm. um, is leaving the state, moving back to New South Wales All right. with his child, Balthazar. No. Yep. I didn't even know he had a child, let alone that he called it that. Mm, it's a wild name. Holy shit. I actually love it. Yeah. Um, I love the name Balthazar. I just didn't think anyone called a person that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe this bit will get cut. I don't think he listens. Oh, well. <laughs> but um, no, uh, so he's moving back. So I went to Stumper Ground, caught up mm-hmm. with some zeros and ex-zeros. Mm-hmm. I mean, company I work for is an ex-company I work for. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Not, only people that know me listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, what else? Uh, yeah, we went on to Bodrigi and caught up for one there as well. Mm. So that was nice. And then we had some very, very cheap pizza by the slice on on uh, Hotham, Huddle. Huddle Street. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I th- yeah, I think I know the place you're probably talking about. Yeah. It wasn't, wasn't good. No, I would have thought not. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, so that was me. <clears throat> so today, what I've got for us is, um, you mentioned a New Zealand brewery, and I've got a New Zealand brewery for us. Mm. Um, this is the ever perplexing chur slash what are they called in New Zealand? Behemoth. Behemoth. No, they're called Behemoth everywhere except Australia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But in my defense, they also probably don't sell in many other markets. Oh, uh, I don't know. They're they're pretty decent and New Zealand beers are getting out there. Oh yeah. It's just that like the only Australian beer I ever saw in the UK mm. was um Stonewood. I thought you were going to say Foster's. <laughs> Get fucked. <laughs> the fucking greatest uh, apart joke. From, apart from like VB. Yeah. I saw Stone and Wood. Um, and I think I saw Mountain Goat, mm. but that was in Selfridges. 
and they have the nicest food court in the world. Right. And it was the that, Australia Festival. That's like as good as it's going to get. Yeah, yeah. it's during the Australia Festival. So that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I don't know, like as good as it is, I, it's just weird that stuff doesn't leave this or New Zealand shores. True. Yep. Very strange. But I have for us the Cheers slash Behemoth Brewing Ross and Rachel Hazy IPA. Mm. Um, and as we've just sort of discovered, it contains my the hop from my favorite beer of the last year, the Hort 4th. Three three seven. Yeah, and that's a branding nightmare. They need to call it something else. <laughs> don't know though. It's, it's quite a name. It shocked me when I saw but it. Didn't mo- it? Mo- most hops go through like a name like that, and then they get something else. Yeah, they experiment on cryo hop type uh, yeah. they, and stuff like that. Had weird names. Yeah, um, and it also got Nelson Sullivan, which is from Nelson. Yes, which is where I'm from. Exactly. Yes. I was in my head. I was like, wait, is he? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm I'm not going to stand on ceremony here. I'm going to be like, it's got what looks like two monsters on the front that look a little bit like Ross and Rachel from Friends. Yep. Let's drink it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you open it. I'm going to read. Yep. Um, <clears throat> no one told them, brackets, the hops, close brackets, they were going to be this way. No. Boring beer's a joke. It's hop. Life's DOA that barely makes sense. Yeah, it's like you're always stuck. No second beer. Uh, I'm not doing the rest. Can I, can I unopen this beer? I'm angry now. <laughs> Send it back. <laughs> Fucking hazy, isn't it? Jesus, that oh, smells great. <laughs> Just you're pouring it so slowly as well. It looks exactly the same as yours. No, but I mean, like, it just felt like I, you were pouring no. yours for okay. the whole time. No. <laughs> so I slowed down because if I laughed any harder, I was going to spit. It. Oh. <laughs> like you were pouring it for the last minute and a just, half. I was like, just, how much beer? Just the way you sounded like an absolute fiend. Like you're pouring it, just going, oh, it smells so good. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy, oh. Daddy needs his medicine. Good Lord. <laughs> Shockingly accurate. <laughs> All right. I'm going to put this in my mouth now. I suggest you do the same. <laughs> Harry <laughs> answer. It's more bitter than I thought it would be. Yeah, but it's, it is very it's tasty. Very tasty. Totally, man. That's a, that's a very, very, very decent hop. Yeah, yeah. You said bitter. I would say it's more just that that bitterness that sometimes comes with a very hoppy beer. It's not actually. Oh no, it's not. It, it yeah, doesn't. It it's, doesn't. It's not a lingering bitterness. No, it's hot bitter. Yeah. Which I was just surprised because um, it smells and and with a hoppy hazy hoppy beer like this, I picture mm. it'd be more sweety, pineapple-y and all that sort of madness. Yeah, there's a little um, bit of sediment in there too. Yeah, quite so. Um, which I was not expecting. Yeah. Um, yeah, there is sediment in that, which is also kind of. You know, kind of a bit mad, but um, mm. yeah, uh, I don't even know where to go. This is just really, yeah, very hoppy. It's it's bitter. a it's got a little bit of like a citrus flavor to it, yeah, which is quite standard for like a, a hazy IPA. Mm-hmm. But it's not like it's not standing out to me like it tastes like oranges or no. fucking anything in particular. It's, just it's like, not like smash fruity in the face thing. Yeah, it's just like got that vaguely sort of citrus undertone to it. Yeah, um, but also a pretty strong. Hop flavor, um, but also not super strong in the hop flavor department either. Yeah. It's not like super piney. And I was going to say there's a little pineyness to it without it being yeah, overpowering, but I, not too much. I, I got to say, I found a um, not a new favorite, but definitely a fucking a oh yeah, drink again. This is up there. Yeah, um, six and a half percent as well, and um, a big well, can. So yeah, actually evens out. <clears throat> yep, phenomenal. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, look, these guys have done 
decent beer after decent beer that I've yeah. had. So yeah, I'm pretty happy with this. And yeah. they also have quite, quite good branding. It makes it easy to write about. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, <laughs> I've still got a few other beers of theirs in, in my cupboard, um, which we will probably feature at a later date. I was going to say, are they, are they episode beers? Oh, they definitely are. Yeah. One of them is just called the Heaps NZ IPA, <laughs> which is very good. Yeah, quality. <laughs> All right, um, smashing stuff. Yeah, it was the other one we did of these was, was um, the Party Time Excellent one we did about hair That's metal. That's right, um, yeah. Yeah, so they obviously pop culture, good. heavy branding, very yes. like. Uh, I think I think they're, they're perfectly skating that line between referencing something very directly mm. and not infringing on copyright yeah i would be surprised if this is something to get away with yeah although like the, the font they've used for ross and rachel very close to the very reminiscent friends. yeah yeah today we're gonna to be talking a little bit about the two pinnacles of uh 90s sitcoms okay um one of which is friends yeah and the other is frazier oh i thought you were gonna drop Seinfeld in there as well. No, because Seinfeld is dog shit and people who like Seinfeld are trash. Well, no, but I, the reason I say that is because every time someone would come up and say Seinfeld's better than Friends or Friends is better than Seinfeld, like Frasier was never in the mix of those conversations That's that I saw. Because those people are boobs. Yeah, well, what what I'm here to tell you is that I prefer the two that you're about to talk about. Damn right. Yeah. Um, so actually, I will, I will quickly cover that. Seinfeld mm. is not a thing in the UK at all. Yeah. Um, and... There is a weird sort of compunction that we have wherein people from the UK do not like Seinfeld because we hear so much about it and then mm -hmm. we've seen bits of it and it's wildly under underwhelming. Yeah. We didn't grow up with it. And then on top of that, British sitcoms are better and very, very different. Yeah. The thing, so I, maybe it was like two or three years ago, I tried to watch Seinfeld just, just to like see what the yeah, fuss you need, was about. you need to know. Yeah. Um, and the thing I found, like Friends has a bit of this, I'm not trying to say like, Friends and Seinfeld are like diametrically opposed, mutually exclusive. No. Like it's a lot of overlap. Uh, but the thing I found with Seinfeld is that a lot of it's very New York City centric, mm -hmm. and a lot of it is very much of the time that it's set. Whereas mm -hmm. I would say Friends leans more towards the kind of generalized situational, yeah, a little comedy. more, a little more timeless. Whereas like most Seinfeld e episodes could be rendered redundant by introducing cell phones. Because a lot of it is just a miscommunication because you couldn't contact someone quick enough. Interesting. That is most Seinfeld episodes that I saw. You know, when you, do, when you watch um, comedies and movies and stuff that have that element of like miscommunication, mm. it infuriates oh, me yeah. now. Yeah. But the thing is like, because I was, on, I was coming to it now, I didn't grow up with it at the time it was most relevant. Yep. It was really hard to take that out of my mind. Yep. The other thing I will say... Uh, even though I've, I would not call myself like really a Seinfeld fan. One of my favorite Twitter accounts is modern day Jerry Seinfeld. It's basically like, uh, you know, like a 280 character episode summary of modern day, what Jerry Seinfeld would be complaining about. Yeah. And right. I'm pretty sure the avatar for it was like Jerry Seinfeld wearing a pair of Google glass. Nice. And it's all just like actually modern day relevant sort of ideas. And it's really good. This reminds me of my brother sent me a Twitter account, which was, um, <laughs> it was rejected episodes of Star Trek, the next generation. Okay. And it was all, it was like, it'd be like plot point a X, Y, Z. And it's like, <laughs> and like, it might have a semi-serious one that it'd be like, Geordie and Data try and hide the fact that they've got a panda. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid stuff like that. Good. Uh, like, 
data loses a hand in the in the in, in some mechanism and must must learn about diversity. <laughs> so <laughs> must reckon with their own ableist yeah, ideas. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's so stupid, but wow. it's really good. Okay, um, that the, we're 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 heading entirely off topic. No, that's it. Now we're doing the Star Trek generation. Get, get, well, I've never seen that no. either. What? Yeah, I've never seen any Star Trek. Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen extras? No, the Ricky Gervais show. There's literally an episode with fucking Patrick Stewart on it, and he's like talking to Gervais, and he's like, "Oh, I've never seen Star Trek." And he's like, "Oh, uh, your no." He's like, "I don't want Star Trek." And he's like, "Oh, uh, your your wife doesn't let you." Yes, uh, no, I'm not married. Oh, it's a girlfriend then. Just, no, I'm not alone. He's like, <laughs> You're a thirty year old man, not married. You live alone, and you've never seen Star Trek. Good lord. That's just the end of the scene. You just described me. Yeah, you really did, didn't you? <laughs> it's really good, man. Slash Generation is brilliant. No, I'm sure. It's a really good show. I just, there's so much. It's like Doctor Who. No, that's it. That's the show. No, but it's like it's, Do- it's like Doctor Who. There's so much of it, and I just never bothered. Yeah. It's almost overwhelming. It was tea time viewing when I was yeah. growing up. It yeah. was like my mum was at work at night, so my dad would stick it on after tea. Yeah. It's good. For me, that was Simpsons. Like, that was on at 6 p.m. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. on as well. So, 6 p.m. And then, like, but like the, before the BBC got Simpsons in the UK, Star Trek was on. Right. I think it was 7, but okay. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, well worth it. So, I am going to be talking about the two pinnacles, as I mentioned. Um, Seinfeld is not one of them. That is the trough between the pinnacles. Get the fuck out of here, Seinfeld. Yeah. That's what um, I say. Um, so, on May 6th, 2009, the final episode of Friends aired to an audience of 52 and a half million people. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. That is more than the combined audience of the 2019 Oscars and Emmys. Yeah, who gives a shit about awards shows? Well, apparently people do. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, the, these shows were absolute titans of their mm. time. Um, they were not realistically that revolutionary or different or new. Um, so, sitcoms kind of gained life on the vaudeville stage. Um, they are a really kind of older concept, but um, it was smaller situational skits rather than a full-fledged comedy. Yeah. Um, and they were literally presented as situation comedies with little way out. Like, yeah. we've got to deal with this sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there were early shows like um, the Beverly Hillbillies. Um, that was a, a pretty big um, early sitcom. Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't have necessarily like the political or social... Um, sort of response um, that, that later sitcoms do have. Mm. Um, but it's still, still very funny, you know, like quite sure, harmless. Sure. Like, yeah, I mean, I yeah. never saw it, but yeah, I'm it's, sure. It's, it's, a, it's a family of hillbillies that find oil on their land and they become uber rich and move to Beverly Hills. Right. And, and hilarity ensues. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea of um, moral sitcoms around things like Leave It to Beaver came around in the 1970s. No, mm-hmm. I have no idea what it's about. I assume it stars an actual beaver. Yep. And, um, they all live in dams. Yep, very much so. Um, and that's why it was moral. It was about logging. Mm. Um, and, but, but, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, no. <laughs> um, so, Keep going. Sitcoms, so as we know them, basically came around in like 1971. A yep. show called All in the Family, which was about a, uh, a working class family, and it covered issues. In a way that existing shows really didn't. Mm. Um, I feel like so many of these I've heard of or I've heard references to on American TV shows. I've never seen most of them. No, no, me neither. Um, 
Scrubs does a really good line in referencing old, old shows I'd never seen. Right. Um, you can tell me you've never seen Scrubs now. No, I've seen Scrubs. Okay, good. Um, but yeah, so All in the Family dealt with issues that shows other shows wouldn't, and it was a comedy, so it was mm. quite confronting almost for a show mm-hmm. 50 years ago yeah. to deal with issues such as race, homosexuality, rape, women's rights, War, specifically around Vietnam, yeah. reproductive rights, sexual health. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine shows that deal with that? Yeah. Even in our childhood. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's kind of mad. Well, I remember like like I watched a lot of uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air when I was growing up. And, it was good. Yeah. And that, that got into some heavy, heavy stuff. Yeah. There is some really fucking sad and like, yeah, like you say, heavy moments on Fresh yeah. Prince. Yeah. Good show. Yeah. Great show. Yeah. Um. One of my, before you move on, one of my favorite uh, anecdotes about Fresh Prince is if you watch, I think it's like the first season, maybe the first like half of the first season, mm. you can literally see Will Smith mouthing everybody else's lines. You're right. Because he was so nervous about it that he learned the entire script, not just his parts. Fair play. And so I, I think like maybe after six episodes, he stopped doing that because he got into it a bit. But and also was told off. <laughs> the thing is like he, he couldn't stop doing it. So it made it into the episodes. Weird. Yeah, it's nuts. Like it's not it's not super obvious, but you can definitely see his lips moving. Is Will Smith good? Uh, he seems like a good person. Uh, I wouldn't say he's like he's not always a great actor. I'll say that. No. Um, he he seems decent. He seems like he's out there loving life. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, he's I've, uncontroversial. I've got time for Will Smith. Mm, yeah. I have too. In his nice clean raps. <laughs> also one of the best moments on Family Guy <laughs> again not an amazing show realistically no. in the long run but, but fuck, some, some of those bits were very good um, tell me more about okay. right. so so um, prior to shows like this we had things like I Love Lucy and the Honeymooners which yeah. depicted American life um, very much as they sort of wanted to project it um, yeah trying to just like reinforce the way society already was yeah and it yeah. was it was post-war boomer america it yep. was the like isn't life great everyone yeah. wants the white picket fence and they have these silly adventures with no conflict yeah um it's like you ever seen the uh the old box art for battleship the board game where no. so it's a scene of a living room father and son playing battleship and in the background you can oh, see the kid. you can see through to the kitchen and the mother daughter washing dishes. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Fucked up. Yeah. But it's like little subtle things like that. Where it's like, oh, you weren't trying to progress shit. Dude, the honeymooners, um, there's a famous line from that Jackie Gleason always said, which was bang, zoom, straight to the moon. It was just a metaphor for him beating his wife. Yep. Really fucked up. Yep. Um But then we had other big name shows that were sort of situation comedies, but they were things like the Mary Tyler Moore show, the Dick Van Dyke show, the Andy Mm -hmm. Griffith show. Andy Griffith didn't get a middle name. Um, (laughs) And they were basically just... I would argue Van is not a middle name in that case. I randomly picked up the name Elliot Von Spirit at work. I'm quite into it. Interesting. (laughs) I also got Spirit of Tasmania, which I also quite into. That's good, yeah. Um, But yeah, so they were popular situation comedy shows, but they were Mm. essentially just... TV contracts for existing stars to create sort of variety shows, cash in on their yeah. fame and to keep them tied to studios and stuff like that. Yeah, try to keep... It's like uh, network exclusives and things like that. Absolutely right. Yeah. And make people a fucking lot of money. Yeah. Um, so the first true US sitcom in that style, um, apart from All in the Family, would be probably MASH. Really? Um, that got global sort of coverage. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, the... Finale of MASH got 125 million viewers. What year was that? 
Um, well, it debuted in 1972, so it would have been like yeah. maybe late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. 125 million yeah, viewers. Yeah, I mean, th- this is also like... Three times what Friends got. Yeah, I'm also like, it's so easy to forget how TV used to be. Like, it was very much, here's the schedule, and it's like destination TV. It's like, it's going to be this big show at this time. Yeah. That's the only <clears throat> time you can see it. You can't go and stream it later. Nobody's really recording it no. for posterity. Like, you had to fucking be there. And people almost like change their schedules around it. I remember when we were younger, my brother would buy the TV guide mm. two weeks before Christmas yeah. and highlight the things he wanted to watch during yep. the Christmas schedule yep. because the Christmas schedule was always banging. Yeah. My, my dad would do that uh, with, so like the, uh, the basically like paid cable TV in New Zealand, mm-hmm. Sky TV. It's like Foxtel here. Yeah, we have Sky in the UK yeah, too. Yeah. So like as part of Fucking their subscription Murdoch. for the longest time, they would get uh, like a monthly magazine, which had the month's. TV schedule for all Jesus of the channels. I'm in a thick mag. Yeah, well, not really. Um, they printed it pretty small, um, yeah. and they weren't they weren't on at the time. There weren't that many channels. Um, it was mainly for the sport and stuff. But he would yeah. go through and like sometimes circle things. Yeah, yeah, and, right. Because like it was you know one of one of his main hobbies was was watching sports. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's going to say TV, which and is just kind of a hobby. Yeah, but it sounds weird. But so. like I was born in '89, so this is not going back that 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 far. No, yeah, no, to, same. To when that practice was still happening. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh. It's kind of wild in, mm. in, in reality um, that it's, it changes the medium so much. Yeah, but the thing is, like, sport is basically the only thing that still operates that way. Sport and, like, the nightly news. Yeah, because they've know? absolutely um, made that the biggest moneymaker for sport is TV rights. Well, I mean it more in the sense of, like, you need to have a scheduled start time for a sporting event. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Every, yeah. Everything else they can kind of get live. away from yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so sitcoms with the idea of the social conscience first um, debuted with the likes of um, Archie Bunker, which mm-hmm. is a show in the US, um, which was analogous to a show in the UK um, starring a guy called Alf Garnett. Well, that was the character. Mm-hmm. Archie Bunker was Alf Garnett. He is um, basically the biggest asshole you can imagine. He's just <laughs> a, a he's just a cantankerous, miserable old white man who doesn't like. Anyone foreign, anyone gay, anyone uh, yes. a bit unusual. And yeah, um, the character was made to be someone for people to point and laugh at. Right. It's weird that a lot of people were like, yeah, he speaks for us. It's like, yeah. you fucking. He tells it like it is. Yeah, absolutely. So over the course of the series, he mocks or belittles not just minorities, including blacks, Hispanics, Latinos, Jews, and Asians, but also m- most white ethnic groups, including the English, French, Germans, Irish, and Polish. Uh, if you're playing along at home, congratulations on your bingo <laughs> on the bigot racist card. <laughs> um, and that's why we need it out of Europe. Uh, but um, Archie Bunker does actually soften throughout the series, and towards the end, he becomes more of a sympathetic character because it, he like learned these lessons. And he's right. like, we're all kind of the same kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it was a it was a progressive show in a way. Um, oh, well, yeah. it was a progressive show, and it made its character progressive through that. Yeah, it's that kind of like they're they're trying to teach their audience concepts, but not in a sort of preachy way. Mm. It's more like here's a character that you initially relate to, and you're going to see them go on this journey. Absolutely right. Then maybe you should think about doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, so on to the main, on to the main act. So Frasier debuted in 93 as a year before Friends. Yep. And it was a spinoff of Cheers, which yep. I didn't know for a very long time. You've watched Frasier? Yeah, I like yeah. Frasier. Yeah, I, I've never watched Cheers. Yeah, I never watched Cheers either. And which made it weird when they kept bringing characters 
back from that show or where they went fucking back, bizarre or when they went to the the bar yes. when cheers is set it's just like i don't get this what's happening yeah it's very unusual for me and especially when like the live studio audience is like reacting in this big way i'm like what the fuck is happening? You do that thing. You're like, that must be a big American celebrity. Yeah, that I don't know of. Yeah, I, I guess technically it was because yeah. it was fucking Woody Harrelson. But um, yeah, uh, whose dad, by the way, was a mafia assassin. That's incredible. It's fucking great. Yeah. Um, we don't condone murder, but that is pretty fucking cool. Let's if, be honest. If you're gonna do it, yeah, do it in a way that's cool. One day we'll drink um, some like Bud Ice, and I'll talk about the Ice Man, Richard Kuklinski. Interesting. I won't drink Bud Ice. No. Um, so, um, as well as being a spinoff of Cheers, it was built around Cheers' arguably most audaciously elite character, mm. which is a character that, let's be honest, people couldn't really empathize with. Um, yeah. Which is, it's kind of a mad concept to take someone who is complete, like, you know, we, we, we root for the everyman sort of thing. Yeah. I um, mean... Like that's that's that middle part of the bell curve, right? You're going to hit exactly way right. more people with that. Yeah, um, but they absolutely leaned into it, um, and they made most of the show's conflicts revolve around his pretensions and how mm. utterly sort of audaciously elite he was. Yeah, um, it was even set in Seattle, which at the time was the absolute cutting edge of style and culture in the early '90s. I mean, five days after. Um, uh, uh, Frasier debuted mm. in Utro was released. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Birth, it, birthplace of grunge. Yeah, it couldn't have been yeah. a more like hip, trendy, cool place to be. And I uh-huh. wish I hadn't used the words hip or trendy, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, the a year later we had Friends. Um, a completely different style premise. New York living, twenty somethings yeah. in a tough. At, at the time. It's the early 90s in New York. New York is a tough, kind of dangerous, crime-ridden, yeah, yeah. expensive place to live. Mm. And they gave New York a bright, airy, you know, bubble-headed atmosphere. You yeah. Know, very nice sort of thing. Um, the, it's been criticized quite a lot. But the very idea of, like, a, a coffee shop waitress and a chef being able to afford an apartment the size they have was insane. Yeah. And they were saying... It's like rent, rent control was good. I don't know if it's that good. Yeah. Well, they were saying rent control apartment they were sharing was $200 a month. In the show. In right. 2018, estimates around that apartment, and given mm. its size and location, yeah. um, were seven or $8,000 a month, yep. or even as high as $14,000 for a place in Greenwich Village. Yeah. Have they, have they like worked it back to when it was set to work out like what it would have really cost back then? Possibly, but I didn't look that up. Right. Um, no, so, so yeah, the idea was, it was, it was, $200 a month is a fucking joke. Yeah, it was idealistic, 20-somethings, you know. Yeah. Oh, no, you know, no real problems sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it was a box to put the TV show in. Yeah. And, like, honestly, like, the the amount of times that things like rent and where they lived came up as a, co- as a topic on the show was not actually that common. No. It was more... No, because it was that more kind like, of problem is not interesting because it's our problems. Yeah. It was more like, I think, uh, I forget which character, but like, oh, yeah, my grandma left me this pro- yeah, left me the, that's right. left the apartment. And that was kind of like it. And they just assumed, it kind of like waved away all of the economic arguments because it's like, oh, it's been handed down and it's just a lease transfer. And yeah. it's like they got some magic fucking $200 a month contract or yeah. something. It was disgustingly good. Yeah. Um, so as I mentioned, um, so these, these are kind of like two quite diametrically opposed, even, you know, mm. sea to shining sea, sort of like completely different coasts yeah. and everything. Um. Fraser, because yeah, like Fraser Crane is literally bragging about how expensive his shit is. 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> he was Cheers' intellectual, and after the show wraps, he moves to Seattle to live the youngish, erudite, urbane bachelor life that mm-hmm. um, Boston couldn't give him. Yeah. Um, he landed the role as KACL's call-in psychiatrist, oh, yes. aided by his producer, Roz, um, who was basically a stand-in for the working class. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, his, his, his dad in the show, too, was, well, that's was it. pretty good for that as well. So they had Roz, uh, Bulldog, who was the sports reporter, that's Daphne right. and um, Marty, his dad, um, who were all kind of like the the i guess the real people in the show yeah um and the premise of the whole thing was that marty basically suffers a debilitating hip injury he was mm-hmm. a cop uh moves in um to coalesce and recover mm-hmm. and he brings his very fucking cute dog eddie with him yes. who jack russell terrier yeah absolutely adorable dog yeah. and also by the way was like uh two dogs and the oh, jesus i'm gonna go off again on tangent but when they did the finale he was like old as fuck and yeah. deaf but they brought him out to do like a bow in front of the live studio audience and he like recognized it and stuff like that. i was reading into this he was like even though he couldn't hear clapping or anything like that mm. he kind of understood what was going on and was like getting a little right. excited fucking i was nearly crying reading that because yeah. it's like this old dying dog that was like oh i still love these people it's like yeah. you bastards and why did you do this all he, all he recognized is like the hands coming together yeah. and applause and he's like oh i know what this means p.s it was like 2 a.m when i was writing this episode and i yeah. was drunk off my ass and i was like i do not need this you're emotionally crippled dude i was <laughs> it was a night anyway um <laughs> so um brings in eddie um his physiotherapist daphne uh his live-in physiotherapist mm-hmm. and um his absolutely disgusting trademark chair um oh yeah it's, it's like a plaid fucking yeah cloth pattern lazy boy type fucking thing duct tape on it yeah yeah there's a great episode where fraser gets rid of it gets him a new chair and he gets really upset so Fraser has to track down the old chair it's mm-hmm. gone he has to track down the original designer who denies he ever made the chair <laughs> and he had to pay him a considerable yeah. amount of money to remake it yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, Fraser's dream of the carefree existence in a stylish high-rise bachelor pad fades, and um, he and his brother basically go through the motions of living there now, somewhat stylized around these things. Mm. Um, so they have expensive tastes, intellectual interests, and high opinions of themselves. Um, for a, a pair of people who are both psychiatrists, they're both problem solvers for other people. They're absolutely comically inept at dealing with their own. Mm-hmm. Um, problems issues psyche mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like hang-ups the lot um and one of the greatest recurring themes throughout which i think is one of my favorite recurring tv tropes is the unseen character oh yeah i so, was hoping this is where you're going yeah so a recurring theme is niles's relationship with his never seen uh, and then later ex-wife maris yeah perfectly in my opinion fucking perfectly skewered in the simpsons bart jumps on sideshow uh, Cecil's back mm-hmm. covers his eyes. Obviously, Sideshow Bob played by Kelsey Grammer. Yes. Cecil was played by um, David Hyde Pierce. Thank you. I can't remember the name. Yeah. Who plays Niles? Jumps on his back, covers his eyes, and Bart goes, Guess who? And he goes, Maris? <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. It's fucking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and they just completely brush over it. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they got a lot of comic mileage out of the unseen wife. Yeah, and it's, it's such a good idea. Yeah. There's a few different characters. Like, so they have Pedge in Peep Show is an unseen character they mm-hmm. reference. They have Monkey Harris in Only Fools and Horses, yeah. an unseen character. Maris in yeah. Frasier. There's a few I others. I would say like the character of Maris, they didn't just like make her the butt of every joke. It was more that they actually did build up an identity of oh, who yeah. she was. Like, she was a storyline. Like, uh, 
my my impression of her is like she's like this fragile person that has all of these health problems and yes. that's often what he's complaining about yes um and but so that it's, it's i always like, felt there's like a mild element of hypochondria to it almost yes, as yes, well yeah yeah and like you get that impression even though you never see her and they're always just making jokes about why niles has to go and do some other shit mm. very much so it reminds yeah. me of emily blunt's character in 30 rock where she's got um avian bone syndrome so she has really <laughs> fragile bones so she can't have sex alex uh baldwin's character, baldwin's character. <laughs> very good um, so the initial idea for the show was actually to have Kelsey Grammer playing a paralyzed media mogul cared for by a street smart nurse in a Manhattan penthouse. Yeah, right. Paramount rightly hated the idea. Yeah, it doesn't sound good at all. <laughs> and they were convinced all concerned that it would be unwise not to capitalize on the built in Cheers audience. They were yeah. like, yeah, no, we already have a character. We're just going to use that. Because Frasier started not long after Cheers had wrapped, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. It was like yeah. pretty quick turnaround. Yeah. yeah. Um, and interestingly, Lisa Kudrow, aka uh, Phoebe Buffay from Friends, was originally cast as Roz, Fraser's huh. producer. Okay. But she wasn't, she didn't have a forceful enough sort of alpha personality to keep right. the scene in check when yeah. Kelsey Grammer was going on like one of his rants. Mm. Didn't seem convincing when she was like bollocking him. Yeah. Um, so they recast her and got Roz. Who. Is brilliant, yeah, and became an amazing feminist icon that I was reading about because yeah. she she talks about um, I don't know think I put it in here, so I'll, I'll have to sort of paraphrase it. But mm. she talks about in one of the episodes like going to family parties. She's like, no, I, I hate family parties because you know it's always the same questions. No, I've not got a uh, husband. No, I'm not looking at settling down. Yeah. I don't want children. No, I yes, I have still got that tattoo. Why can't they just be happy that I have a great career? Yeah, and it's like, yeah, shit, she's way before her time was like well not way before her time at the time mm. but very few of them on television yeah, like great yeah, icons sure. like that yeah um so also interesting fun fact uh theme song to Frasier uh Toss Salad and Scrambled Eggs do you know who the singer is Fra- uh Kelsey, Kelsey Grammer, Grammer. Yeah. yeah didn't realize that I, was, yeah. I saw a video of him singing it. I was like god he's got a good oh, I haven't seen a video but yeah he's, he's very much that that kind of lazy jazz singer like he can do that yeah I um Actually, I'll come to that in a bit. Um, so, so Friends was completely different pitch from day one. Obviously, it's, it's a very different show. It's the like I said, quintessential New York twenty somethings. Uh, alongside Seinfeld, it was a precursor to shows such as you know things like Broad City, Will and Grace, How I Met Your Mother. Mm-hmm. This we live in Manhattan in let's be honest, quite unbelievable circumstances, and we have these hilarious dating mishaps and all this sort of thing because we're all kind of young professionals trying to make it in the world. Yeah. Um, well, there's that, there's that thing of like New York City is an icon in some form to a lot of Western society. It's, it's one of the few places in the world that I'd still say, I will move there. If someone said, do you want to move to New York? I'd go to there now. Yeah. Like having been there, it feels very separate in a weird way from the from the rest of the US. Yeah, um, it absolutely is. And it's, it's a huge city too. Um, and I think that's probably why there's so many shows is because like it's without having been there or experienced a lot of what it's actually like to be in that space, it's really hard to understand mm. the day-to-day. My issue is obviously like, you know, shows like Friends, they kind of like, it's give, not- they give you that surface level picture. Yeah. Um, one of my one of my favorite podcasts slash shows, uh, shout out to Bodega Boys. They're on uh, another show called Desus and Mero. That's their name's Desus and Mero. Oh. Yeah. Ooh, I yelled that. Yeah. Did you uh, show me that? I think so. 
Yeah. Um, but Wait. they they are they are uh, it's a Dominican and a Jamaican guy uh, living in New York City. They're from the Bronx, and they give you like an actual fucking real look uh, at what New York culture is like at that level, as opposed to like the fictionalized like privileged version that a lot of these sort of shows mm, mm. Pr- uh, present. Um, yeah, I, I like I have absolutely no relation to their perspective on a place like New York City or their culture. But I find it fascinating, and they're, they're super entertaining and hilarious. But yeah. like that perspective is super fascinating as well. Yeah, yeah, other yeah, it's um, it's such uh, an icon. It's almost a fictional world in New York. Yeah, yeah. I, you I, have I, a fucking ginormous statue of a woman holding a torch. Yeah, which on was the a coast, which was a gift from France. Yeah, the whole thing is just a bit <laughs> mental. Um, I was there for the Fourth of July. That's an experience. I bet. Went to the baseball and everything. Nice. It was it was pretty great. Um so so yeah, so that sort of New York twenty something living is basically aimed at and for some reason I put it down as aimed at that day's millennials. I was like, they're called well, Gen X. The the equivalent thereof, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I wrote it like that, but that yeah. But that is what it is. You know, it's yeah, the, the, it's, con- the contemporary generation of the time. Yes, yeah. absolutely right. Um that's why it still holds weight with that kind of generation, mm. like our millennials now, yeah. and etc. Um, Friends was originally titled Insomnia Cafe, so I'm really fucking glad they nixed. Oh, I kind of like that though. <laughs> no, it sounds way too Lynchian. Well, like there's a there's an anime which I haven't watched, but I love the name. It's Polar Bear Cafe, and I'm pretty sure it's a po- <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a polar bear that runs a cafe. <laughs> anime is fucking wild. Yeah, but that's why I really love Insomnia Cafe because oh, also they don't stop fucking going there. Yeah, well, it should, should have been called the Cafe of Inertia. So I found out that just like McLaren's in How Your Mother, mm. Central Perk is in the bottom of their building. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Because the, they're always talking about like going down to the to Central Perk. Yeah, but I say I go downtown. So I, I was well, thinking yeah. it was like that way. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't I didn't realize it was. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> um, so Insomnia Cafe was the first. No, Friends was the. The Thursday night primetime must-see TV event, mm-hmm. uh, as we talked about Destination Television earlier. Yeah. Um, if, <clears throat> excuse me. It featured the most likable ensemble ever assembled by a casting agent, all young, all middle class, all white, all straight, all attractive but approachable, all morally and politically bland, and all equipped with easily digestible personas. Mm-hmm. Right. A blank canvas on which to project yourself. 110%. Joey, goofball. Chandler, sarcastic. Monica, obsessive-compulsive. Phoebe, hippie. Rachel, uh, just as a Rachel, hell, I don't know. Rachel likes to shop. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then Ross, who was the intellectual and the romantic. So they had something for everyone where they could yeah. put themselves into that. It was yeah. it was very interesting. Um, talking about Kelsey singing the theme song, by the way. Um, Jennifer Aniston was like, oh, none of the... Um, None of the cast really liked the song, particularly in Friends. The the Rembrandts. Yeah, um, I don't understand what that. What's that song actually called? Uh, I'll be there for you. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. Probably. I wasn't sure if it had a different name to that. Can you name another Rembrandt song? Nope. No, me neither. <laughs> I don't think they needed another one. No. <laughs> um, and then obviously after, obviously Cheers was uh, excuse me, Fraser was a spin off of Cheers. There was obviously Joey. There was. I forgot about Joey. <laughs> Yes. I can't believe I forgot about Joey. I think Joey wishes he forgot about Joey. Yeah. It was really funny, actually, because he starred in... He was in episodes, which was 
brilliant and very good skewering of the American yeah. entertainment industry. Yeah. He's a very funny, interesting, and, and quite a smart dude He as went well. on to host Top Gear. Yeah, it's good. In the UK. Very bizarre. Yeah. He was good when he was a guest on Top Gear, yeah. that's why. Um, but they, in Joey, they just vastly changed the character. Mm. Whereas in Friends, in Frasier, what they did is they just sort of uh, extruded that yeah. character. Yeah, in Joey. So um, on Friends, Joey was a womanizer, but we all enjoyed his exploits. He was a solid guy, a friend you knew you could count on. Um, he was deconstructed in Joey to be someone who couldn't get a job, couldn't ask a girl out, became a pathetic, mopey character. And he was, mm. um, and Kevin Bright, uh, Kevin S. Bright was the only producer who stayed on for Joey out of Corbin right. Bright Crane. Yeah. Said that he uh, thought it was moving in the wrong direction, um, but he wasn't being listened to. And mm-hmm. um, that was the reason for the cancellation. Right. So the, the, both of these shows were politically, uh, excuse me, critically acclaimed. Uh, super popular throughout their runs. They never really had lulls, never really had dips. No one ever says like, oh, that season was bad. They were just yeah. solid throughout. Um, Friends ran for 10 seasons. Frasier ran for 11. Yeah. Um, and they were so popular at the end of the run, the cast of Friends were being paid a million dollars each an episode, yep. which is wild until you've learned that um, Kelsey Graham was being paid $1.6 million an episode. Yeah. Uh, did- I would say he's like, like with Friends, you've got a cast of six main characters essentially. Mm, yeah, Frasier, it's really, it's mostly him. And then there's like the other five one. side cast. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. Um, so the finales um, were quite quite different as well. Um, Frasier's finale is full of champagne uh, references to German opera. Um, <laughs> of course, it is. Yeah. Uh, undisguised class anxiety. N- N- Niles. Um, is having a baby with Daphne at this point, and mm. he wants to make sure that his child will resemble him in terms of class and not Daphne's family, who were um, a working-class family of pickpockets. Amazing. Um, Daphne Moon. Yeah, that's uh, very good. By the way, um, the guy who played Marty Crane was born in Manchester and lived there till he was 19. Daphne was from not Manchester, I think London. Mm. So they had to give her a vocal coach and people in the north of England were really annoyed that she didn't sound even remotely Grand Canyon. Um, <laughs> I thought it was really funny. Um, the Friends uh, rap instead was um, uh, wrapped up the Ross and Rachel saga with them finally coming together, uh, which is Again. something which started in the pilot episode. Yeah, um, They gave the fertility trouble Chandler and Monica not only a baby, but twins, Yeah, um, which was kind of poignant at the time because... Courtney Cox was struggling to conceive in real life during right, this time. Okay. So it's actually that. kind of a lot of the emotion around the episode apparently was very, very raw and genuine. Yeah. Um, Paul Rudd, aka Mike and Phoebe Dude, moving one together. The, one of the best additions to Friends. Such a good, such a good addition. Like I can literally picture him like when he's air miming playing a piano because Phoebe tells him to. He's like, he says something about playing piano. She's like, you don't need a piano to play. And he's like, and then he just starts like oh, jamming out yes. in the in fucking midair. So <laughs> good. That, yes. Um, and then of course Joey fucking goes off to New York to Los Angeles. Yes. Starts and spin up, spin off. But he does get a new chick and a new duck because they yes, of course, disappeared. Yeah. under mysterious circumstances. Well, they went to the farm. Quite so. <laughs> quite so. Um, you mentioned um, additions to the show. Mm-hmm. We had Paul Rudd. We had Bruce Willis. I was gonna. I was about to say Bruce Willis. I think he was one of the, like he was a cameo, but a recurring one. Yeah, he had like three, four episodes. Man, I loved seeing him do the weird shit he did in that show. I got a fun factoid for you then. Go on then. He did that for free. 
Really? He lost a bet with the... <laughs> You're kidding. He lost a bet with uh, Matthew Perry. Yeah. Who is had alcohol problems, prescription drug problems, but right. also was a bit of a gambler. Uh-huh. He put on a bet with Bruce Willis about whether or not the whole nine yards, the movie they did together, would go to number one at the box office the first right. weekend. It did. And he said that he had to appear on Friends for free. So Bruce Willis didn't think it would. No. That's incredible. Um, so Willis donated all of his money to charity that he got paid for Friends. Huh. Which is, I'm like... Yeah. But he also like... It's a very memorable performance. Yes. Like every time he shows up. It's so good. And I still laugh every time I see him in the mirror being like, you are a neat guy. Yes. And fucking Ross being like, I too am a (laughs) neat guy. guy. (laughs) I'm going to watch some Fraser and Friends when I get home. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And they were the sort of like, they had um, Magnum P.I. What's his fucking name? Um, Uh, Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck was on it. Um, Yeah. There was a um, mustache. Uh, Danny DeVito was a male stripper yes. at one point on it. That's right. The, some of the names that were in that show, phenomenal. Was yeah. Emily Blunt? Oh, no. Was who played Ross's uh, wife that he yeah, got married to? I know what you mean. Yeah. I don't remember the name. Yeah. Some, some unbelievable cameos. It was fantastic. Yeah. And the cameos, like you say, in Frasier were memorable. A lot of them were the guys from Fra- from uh, Cheers. Yeah. It's kind of, kind like of the, wild. the ones in Friends, they were often people that were like, Either break starting to break out or were or did break out because of that role. Like, yes, I'm pretty sure Paul Rudd like was friend, his first like friend, really big. Yeah, role. Friends was his first big thing, and yeah. then he just went gangbusters. Yep, because um, he's so good in there. I've just remembered the guy who is um, he's a cop in it, and he mm. is in it's like Eight Simple Rules or something like that. Um, oh, I think I know who you mean. Yeah, he's like a Canadian actor. Yeah. I, I really like him, actually. I yeah. quite, quite like Dude, him. Brad Pitt shows up for Brad Pitt's episode. in it quite a bit, Is he? actually. I thought it was just the one. No. The Thanksgiving one. He's No, that's the episode when he leaves. He's yeah. uh, Rachel's new boyfriend for like six or seven episodes. Yeah, okay. crazy. Okay. It's, it's significant. But yeah, this is it. The, yeah. the star power that they could draw yeah. for a sitcom. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. And now we've got things like The Big Bang Theory and Young Sheldon. Which don't have jokes. Correct. You ever watch that um, Big Bang Theory without a laugh track? Uh, it's depressing. My favorite one. So it was maybe maybe it was a vine or something, but it's somebody like recording Big Bang Theory on TV, and then he just screams at the TV. Where was the joke? Yeah, because they just all they do is like reference a string of like board games or something. Yes, and then it's not actually a joke. They're just naming things. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not even parody. It's not even reference. It's, it's just naming yeah, things. It's annoying for me because like when that show first came out it was actually a really good intersection of like nerdy kind of pop culture and comedy and things. And they actually did some smart stuff with it. in the yeah, first I, couple I, watched, of seasons. I watched the first couple of episodes and I was like, this is okay. It's yeah. not for me, but like, but, I understand like, but like they, they, they did it without making like nerd culture, the butt of the joke, mm. which they just went to eventually mm. because they ran out of ways to be clever. Yep. Yep. What a mess. Yep. Um, and so they, and then they thought Young Sheldon was a good idea. Well, <laughs> yes. Anyway, um, so I've got a couple of things to sort of end on. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to do the ending, ending first, and then I'll turn to the other weird thing. Oh, good. I um, like weird. Quite weird. Um, so <laughs> Fraser ended in 2004. Mm-hmm. That is the same year that Facebook was launched, and that George W. Bush was reelected to his second term. Wow. Interesting and very disappointing insight is that Kelsey Grammer is a massive Republican. Yeah. Really big. I 
I want to say I'm surprised. I'm not really. It just makes me really sad. Yeah. Because he's kind of a dick Republican. Yeah. Like unremitting. All that right. Sort of shit. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, so, yeah, 2004, actually, sorry, was the year both shows ended. Mm. And NBC moved the th- coveted Thursday night spot that Friends um, had mm-hmm. to The Apprentice. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I hate this. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> From The Economist. A quarter of a century on, it is difficult to look back at the Frasier era without, without a hint of nostalgia. In 2004, the year that both Frasier and Friends ended, NBC moved The Apprentice to the coveted Thursday night slot originally reserved for sitcoms. Shouty finger-pointing replaced witticisms and wisecracks. Today, Frasier will be criticized for its lack of racial diversity and its occasionally uncomfortable jokes, particularly a long-running joke about Maris's eating disorder. But it was ahead of its time in some ways. Roz became something of a feminist icon, openly discussing her sexuality and decrying society's unfair expectations of women. In an early episode, she explains her hatred for family reunions. My relatives crowd around me, and I answer the same questions. No, I'm not married. No, I don't have any kids. Yes, I still have that tattoo. No, you can't see it. She says, It would be so nice if I could at least say, I have a great career. She works hard, forges her own path, themes which resonate more strongly with young women today. So I did mention that earlier, and I, and I kind of paraphrased it. So, um, And I think that it's an interesting look at the fact that, yeah, The Apprentice came in at that time. Mm. And, and I think there is like, not quite a line we can draw, but we can sort of say like, was that was that the beginning of the downfall of Western side? No. But you know, no, like I'd, it, it's I'd, a sad... I'd, I'd be interested to also know. look at, in parallel to this, like when reality TV really started to take off because The Apprentice was obviously of that ilk. Yes. Um, but I wonder if that was like, like I think the, it was the beginning of that wave. before, but yeah. they were, the Apprentice was early wave. Yeah. Cause there's just so many of those shows now. They're so hacky. They're so like unrealistic despite mm-hmm. being called reality TV. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because reality TV isn't funny for normal people. They bring on the biggest balance they can find. Yeah. Hence people like Donald Trump. And it's like, it's an entire category of TV, which is punching down. Yeah. Really? Yep. Like the producers <clears throat> cut and manipulate footage to make people seem worse than they are. Yep. Because that's what will get people watching. Like all the ads for things like, you know, your My Kitchen Rules is your Married at First Sight. It's like all those sort of shows, like they make every advertisement seem as dramatic as fucking possible. And then if you watch the episode that week, it's like, oh, this was actually not that big a thing. No, they've had an awkward argument. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, interesting you mentioned punching down because Frasier is very much punching up. And that's, mm. I think that's a really interesting um, line to draw, actually, to say mm. that. You know, the, 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 this was a show that was laughing at someone for being effect mm. and for being stupidly unnecessarily Pre- pretentious. Yeah, pretentious, yeah. upper middle class for this. Yeah. Just, yeah. Um, so it was an interesting thing to draw a line mm. on. Yeah. So you're right. But um, yeah, how sad. Mm. Uh, the last thing I want to cover, excuse me, both a bit gassy from the beer. Yeah, a little bit. <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of yeast in there. Mm. It was fucking delicious, though. Yeah. Um, so there is a... Um, is this the weird one? Yeah, there's an article that Patrick Frigo sent me. Okay. Um, and it's about how um, 
Ross is the most tragic character in Friends. Now, I think a lot of people look at Ross and be like, He's annoying. You were kind of annoying, kind of a dick, not a particularly, you were particularly chauvinistic at different times, you know, yeah. a bit of a shitty husband and partner and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to read a couple of excerpts from the article because it's very funny. Okay. The theme song itself is filled with foreboding, telling us that life is inherently deceptive. <laughs> okay. Career start. pursuits are laughable. Poverty is right around the corner. And oh yeah, <laughs> your love life's DOA. <laughs> Good. But you will always have the company of idiots. They will be there for you. <laughs> Is this an H-bomber guy intro? <laughs> um, the audience turned on Ross, but the characters of the show were pitted against him from the beginning. Anytime Ross would say anything about his interests, his studies, his ideas, wherever he was mid-sentence, his friends, quote, friends mm. was sure to groan and say how boring Ross was, how stupid it is to be smart and that nobody cares. Cue the laughter of the live studio audience. This gag went on for pretty much every episode for 10 seasons. Can you blame Ross for going crazy? <laughs> and it's just a big, it's a big episode about deconstructing the fact that they're all fucking horrible to this man who just loves what he does for a living. Yeah. It's like, how dare you be smart? Yeah. How dare you have a good job? It, it almost feels like one of those realizations you have, which starts to recontextualize your understanding of the yeah. entire thing. So good. I think one of my favorite, like you mentioned the, the like uh, big bang theory without the laugh track. One of my favorite videos I've ever seen is, you know, the, the scene where Ross is yelling about his sandwich yes it's that but there's no studio audience in the background <laughs> and it's just him like freaking out and shaking and getting tense and he's just just going my sandwich <laughs> and there's no laugh track in the background it's intimidating we're gonna watch that once we wrap yeah thanks because <laughs> i want to see that yeah but yeah um that was uh a meandering look at sitcoms two sitcoms in the 90s Fringier. which i think um I think we're two of the highlights of television in the last 20, 30 years. Well, they're definitely like the two of that sort of yeah. category of show that I watched all of. I'll yeah. say that much. And, and I also think that they are, um, they're really interesting looks at the way both television worked, mm. the world was, yeah. um, and, and you know, the, the cultural stuff that's come from both of those is yeah. wild. The, th the thing I'd say too, is like more so than like, I, like I was talking about before, more so than Seinfeld, these two shows have aged a little better in yes. that you can, you can like not every, not every episode holds up. Obviously there's some of the time opinions, which yep. are problematic, but the situations that they're addressing or tackling, they're still, a lot of them are still quite relevant or they're, they're depicted in a way that isn't terribly dated, mm. even though it's, you know, 90, late nineties, early two thousands. Like, they managed to do it in a way that actually kind of holds up because it's just interpersonal problems. Mm. It's not, yeah. hey, this mm. fucking email didn't work. No, like, there's, it's, there's, it's, there's it's some life. Stuff, there's some stuff in there where like Chandler was talking about the specifications of his new computer and he's all excited. It's like, it's got like 500 megabytes of RAM. I'm like, yeah. you idiot. What are you going to do with it? No, play, play games. games on it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that. that's still funny. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good, good shows, I think, that were... Um, they weren't ahead of their time. They were completely yeah. of their time, but that time has remained yeah. fairly would, static. Yeah, I would definitely say nowadays there are better shows. Um, yeah, but if I you look so. at like what was coming out around that time, like this was, this was probably about as good as it got for well, for American TV. <laughs> consider as well the amount of American sitcoms that have had that sort of international appeal. Yeah, I mean, Mash is kind of a big thing in mm. Australia, as was you know like 
happy days, but they were both in the 70s. That was yeah. a good 20 years beforehand. Fresh Prince, good as well. A bit more of a comedy than I yeah. think the other ones. Yeah. But um, Frasier and Friends, globally popular. Really, mm. like, popular. When you look at things like Roseanne and stuff like that, yeah. really not as I much. Yeah, I never, never saw it. Even though like it was definitely on at the same time frame when I was growing up. I remember it yeah. being on. Never watched it. No. Don't remember either. it at all. And also, she's a fucking foul racist bitch. So. Yeah, no thank you. Good stuff. <laughs> all right. That was um, an episode. <laughs> about if you like about episodes yeah yes yes it's a good show you need to watch episodes it's very funny um you mean extras episodes what's that it's um, <laughs> oh fuck um <laughs> we're gonna have to leave this in now do you know who um hang on elliot went on to explain what episodes is to mike the episode is already running long we're cutting it out you can find more of this shit, as well as unscheduled posts about Stout mm. on our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter accounts, which are Mike. No, they're not me. They're Hebrew Podcast. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you didn't leave a gap. You're like, which are Mike? I was like, well, yeah, sorry. I you're, guess. you're also looking a little bit deer in the headlights. Like, oh. Uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Hebrew Podcast is the name by which you can find us mm. across all three of the aforementioned so- social media platforms phenomenal yeah. and you can also email us on hello at heybrew.zone yes that is you can hello at heybrew.zone yeah fran yes um <laughs> we'd love to hear from you yeah um what else do we want from the mic i mean there's also the website mm-hmm. which is heybrew.zone mm-hmm. you can find episodes mm-hmm. subscription links if you're into subscribing to podcasts i am um and also just links out to all of our other bullshit. Yeah, it's all, it's all there. And um, say if they like the show and they yeah. want to tell us they like the show. Mm. Well, preferably, they, they would go onto their podcast platform of choice, mm-hmm. whatever that may be. Uh, we'll take ratings on there. Subscriptions are also really helpful. Uh, that way you'll get new episodes when they come out. It's every, every two weeks. Uh, occasionally we'll put out extra episodes. But yeah, those are one of those in a while. No, but, should... but those are special surprise episodes when they happen. Ooh, they, just... they just appear. I t- all I could think of was really foul metaphors, and I was like, "Yeah, not, no, not one yeah, of those is no. appropriate." Uh, yeah, the sneaky ones, and that, and that's all of those. It um, is all of those, and yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's it. That's it from you. That's it from me. <laughs> this has been Hebrew reference. Uh, yes, it yeah. was. Good night from me, and, and it's good night from him. <laughs> Very good. Hey, mate, I, I, it's the second time two Ronnies has come up recently. Um, great, great, great. They're both dead now. Um, Anyway. Uh, this, this, this has been a, a vaguely an episode, quite a long one. Yeah. Um, I've been Elliot. I've been Mike. Cheers. Cheers. I was like, that way we can cut it. Yeah. Right there. I was like, no, we'll just, that's the end that we yeah. know. Yeah. Just uh, look for the last one and then work back. Yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> oh, dear. Mate, honestly, every time we record an episode where one of us is drunk, and by that I mean when I'm drunk, they go, they go long. I mean, what are we on? An hour 40? Hour 24. That is not as bad as I thought well, it so would we, be. Yeah, we had it running for at least 15 before we actually got into it. Yeah. And there's a fair bit in there to pull out. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I honestly thought we'd we'd be well over that. Yeah. Time well, dilation when you're drunk, eh? Yeah. We're, um, we're also going to get like fucking zippy going into my one. Yes. Because we're coming in hot. Energy levels are good. Do you yeah. want to just burn straight into it? I need to take a big old piss. All right. I might uh, get some more water. I might even eat my salad. You should eat your salad. I should eat It's my been salad. calling your name. Oh, fuck. I'm so excited. Mm. You know what it is? I got a 
butterfly lamb shoulder Ooh. and I just fried that up. Yeah. Sliced it. Yeah. Kale slaw salad yeah. and some brown rice. Yeah. 